Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another podcast. And if you love this podcast and you want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos down below. And for today, before you go to the YouTube channel and subscribe, I have a pretty solid guest that I'm very excited to chat with. I have the one and only Chase Tolson. I love it. I feel like I'm walking down a tunnel right now. And yeah, guys, just from the conversation that we had beforehand, I know that you know Kyle puts out good stuff. Go, go do it. Drop the reviews. I've already done it by the time you listen to this. So all the cool kids are doing it. Yeah. And you want to be a cool kid, right? <laughs> all the cool kids pee their pants. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Chase, my man, there are so many different routes that we can go down on uh, possible conversations given the uh, the vibes and the uh, just the interaction thus far. But I got a question for you. And that question is, how is it that what you do impacts the lives of others? Do you know the uh, three degrees of influence? Perhaps, but let's go through it. Cool. So your habits, your actions, your beliefs, your thoughts, your words are contagious to your friends, 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 mm. forward and backward. So I've seen this over and over again in the work that I do. Um, when you can get somebody truly out of the stories that were fed to them and into authoring their own. Well, now they become the biggest grandfather clock in the room, three, three circles out forward and back, and they can affect those three degrees of influence for the better. So the work that I do creates ripples that are bigger than I'd ever imagined uh, being a few years into it. Uh, I, I'll get referrals from people without them sending them to me years after working with someone. It's like, hey, uh, we can mark when this guy just changed his life and I want to do it too. And I've left behind the just fitness thing. You know, it is truly helping mostly men, some women who filter themselves in. Step into the idea that life is theirs for the making. And I like to just switch that T from, you know, life is yours for the taking. Life is yours for the making. And when we can dispel any notions that life's a bitch and then you die, you know, it's just a grind. You just got to gut it out and live authentically for us and by us. Life gets really, really, really good. I love that. I big time love that. So what inspired you to want to uh, go down the route of, helping i guess find an inner alignment i guess that would almost be similar to it wouldn't it mm, yeah a little bit of a story on this one please share so, i'm very intrigued by that man cool yeah because there, there's there's some context like how i landed here and i was i'm charles bennett tolleson the third no i don't have a trust fund with a name like that you'd think so um i was lined up to be a third generation United pilot. My grandfather flew for United. My dad flew for United. I flew all the computer simulators when I was a kid. We had remote control airplanes that we built. 
I am turning 35 tomorrow. Uh, if we do some math there, that means that I was 13 when 9-11 happened. Uh, the phone rang off the hook at my house. My dad didn't work for six months because he was on an airplane. They were planning on phasing out. Now, when it all of a sudden became required to have super secure doors on the cockpit, well, United said, we're not going to put that on those. We're parking them. They parked them all at once. My dad didn't work for six months. Airline contracts got reworked. Uh, my dad sold his $40,000 car for a $12,000 car. And that all played into effect because I was supposed to start learning to fly at age 14. You can start, you can learn to fly gliders at age 14. And then you just you organically just continue stepping up till, you know, 18, get your private pilot's license, you get multi-engine time, and then I'm ready to fly for United before I know it. Well, that kind of upended what Chase was going to do with his life. Take out the kind of, it really, really upended what Chase was going to do with his life. I spent high school, you know, extreme sports. And then I, I had a Camaro, I had a Camaro and a leather jacket and showed up to school smelling like cannabis and cigarettes. So uh, am I, and it was an 88 with T-tops and my best friend had an 87 Monte Carlo SS with T-tops. So give you a little picture of who we were. <laughs> and uh, I, I was in the gym. That was the one thing that was the constant for me because I was really skinny as a kid and I have a size eight head and I had that head when I was like eight years old. So I wanted to get bigger and I was in the gym from like 11, 12 years old through high school. I stuck around town. I, I did community college. I had a GPA of 0 0.742, 0.742 because I would be sitting in algebra class. I get a text from my buddy, Hey, I got blown outside and I get up and leave. And side note, use cannabis as with anything intentionally. There's anything right with it. And uh, I, was, I wasn't doing homework long before I started smoking weed. I stopped doing homework in third grade. And uh, all of this makes has context to it because I stopped with the community college thing. I started trying to get a personal trainer certification. That didn't really pan out. I was selling cars. And then I was like, all right, forget it. I'll just go into the military. I'll come out with a good career. Go and talk to the Air Force. Like, well, we can't give you that air traffic control job because it requires a clearance. Like, all right, cool. Well, what can you give me? And I had a, I had a possession arrest on my record when I was 18. Mm -hmm. and I'm like mm, 19 or 20 at this point. Like, what can you give me? They're like, well, have you ever thought about spec war? Because they see this jacked 20-year-old stand in their office, you know, like, we can hook this guy this way. Except what they did is they said, well, here, uh, sign this contract. You'll, they didn't tell me like, oh, it means you're leaving at a certain date. So I got out of that. I went to talk with the army, went to talk with the Navy. Army, army said no uh, due to the record. I couldn't get a ranger contract. Navy said, hey, you have really junk eyes. Go pay for LASIK and we will let you get a SEAL contract and go to BUDS. It's like, oh, fuck, yes. Now, I was excited. My second cousin worked missile defense for the Pentagon, retired to Air Force. He was my mom's cousin. He found out that his cousin's kid is going to go be essentially a, a trained assassin, used, beat up, and spit out by the U.S. government. So he sent me a book. It's been turned into a movie. Some of y'all may have heard of it, Lone Survivor. Mm -hmm. And he thought, it would, he thought it would dissuade me, right? It's the real raw account. Well, what do you think happened when a testosterone-fueled 20-year-old ripped through that book in 72 hours? 
you're like just set you're just super pumped yeah well i sold the car i said i'd never sell that camaro i put it up for sale i used that money to pay for lace it was on on paper that i was talking with the navy for over a year and fast forward to uh, january 26 2010 i walk into maps military entry processing station and i say cool i'm ready to go and they say sorry new instruction came out five days ago your misdemeanor arrest is no longer waverable we're not trying to actively grow the seals anymore everything's kind of winding down over there in the middle east like mm. um my second cousin handed because we're family so he's like this is what you want to do i'll help you handed my package to the deputy chief of naval personnel three-star admiral he said sorry don't believe him can't help him so i went back to maps i was like i'm sick and tired of this town i'm sick and tired of talking to different military branches for the last two years almost get me out of town as fast as possible fast in 2010 was two to three months they said okay you're leaving in nine days you're an engine man because you got stellar mechanical scores it's like oh shit i better go clean my system out because when i learned i couldn't get that contract i got really 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 baked <laughs> so i um Natural. bring that all around i spent four years in the navy disenfranchised with broken leadership and advancement structure, uh, the politics of it all. And I got out and I opened a CrossFit gym in 2014. I was a hard charger. I wanted to go to regionals. I wanted to build a, a team and go to regionals. I quickly learned that uh, most people in the gym had mortgages and jobs and kids, and they just wanted to feel good and burn off their day. So, all right, cool. And we, we started shifting more individualized approach. And still, what I said there, burn off their day was still present. And I realized that a lot of people are working out, not necessarily to be healthy. It's that's more of a byproduct of what happens in them chasing, uh, trying to feel how they think fit people feel confident mm. in control of their life, you know, autonomous. And there were a lot of people in my gym, me included, using fitness the way an alcoholic uses a bottle of vodka. And I was essentially the drunk bartender because I was repeating those patterns. So when I started looking into myself, started doing that, I made some shifts around the gym. And then we started a podcast. And then we got this guy, Mark England, on the podcast. You know, at the time, he had been on Barbell Shrug back in 2017. This is uh, mid-2020 we're talking now. And he wasn't even pumping and lifted yet. They had done like a couple cohorts. And towards the end of the show, I asked him, Hey man, uh, what's this enlifted thing? It's like, let's jump on a call. Next thing I know, I'm in level one, group nine, and then I'm in level two, group three, and then I'm in level three, group two. And the enlifted magic, I bring it all around to that point in the story. It was the samurai sword that I was looking for because I knew that people were in their own way. I was in my own way. I had that story of getting that seal contract pulled out from under me, uh, running a story of, well, Everything just happens the way it happens. And that's just going to be the way it is. Because to top it all off, I got my car back. So I was like, oh, I guess I wasn't supposed to get that contract. I guess I'm just going to go along for the ride in this life. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and the Enlifted Magic helped to dispel a lot of what I didn't even realize I was holding on to. Because people already saw me as a leader in mindset. They, I had a blog that people would read. Uh, it had a good amount of views. And... When I got that, I was like, oh, this can help people. And I 
while I still see physical fitness and movement and nutrition as integral pieces, because if our body is a conduit of energy to express love and gratitude and live this life, well, then we benefits us to keep that conduit clean. Mm. And this is how, this is all how I ended up here where when I see, when I see individuals clear their old stories, I just had one this morning. This guy, we got done with this story about his dad. He said, I'm not living this story anymore. And I, here's the thing. One letter in that sentence made it a different statement. I took the T off of this. I'm not living his story anymore. Nice. And it, it broke him in half and it freed him from carrying his father's whatever you want to name it baggage Mm -hmm. Uh, so all of that semi-long-winded yet condensed story to say that's how i got to where i'm at that's cool i like how you ended it with the story of the day of how you how what you do literally impacts people's lives so that was a fantastic answer to that question my man that's cool so so with uh Oh man, I just went on a couple little spots on that one. So with let's let's chat about the the thought process behind changing the story that you that you did earlier today. How you looked at it, why is it that you took the T away from this? Hmm. Because oftentimes we'll use statements like that. I need to get over this. I can't stand that. This, this, that. You know, uh, ambiguous language. What is this? What is that? And accuracy matters. Accuracy is paramount. Um, I have stepped further and further away from using the word truth and asking people if that is accurate. Because truth can be a subjective thing burned into people's brains through years of stories and paradigms. And well, this is my truth has become something. And there's a whole, uh, there's some people who would argue whether, well, can you have your truth or is there an objective truth? When you use accurate though, you can keep it objective without going down those rabbit holes of your truth, my truth. Mm -hmm. That's pretty sweet. I like that quite a bit. What was a, Cause I had Mark on before and he, he was freaking just knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. Yeah. And, uh, what was, what was a story that you found that you struggled with or you were perpetuating quite often that what was the story that you were telling yourself that had the biggest impact on you when you rephrased it or reworded it or changed the interpretation of it? I have, I have two here. And I'll, I'll break after I tell you the first one. And I, I do have a follow-up after we hash this first one out. Sweet. So the first one is that SEAL story. And when I was in my Unlifted Level 1, that story was one of the, the main ones that we worked. The other one is the other main one I worked. And it created this thing. Like I said, I was just along for the ride. Now, by the time I got to Level 2, I cleared, all, cleared a lot of my stuck uh, Guys, the victim mentality lives in each and every one of us every day. And if you think you're done with the work, you're going to get a nice swift kick to the face. Uh, So stay chopping. And 
by the time I got to level two, that story was a win because I went from a meathead who, yeah, I could bench 300 pounds and, you know, I, I was strong. I had big arms running. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I went to where I could run two miles in 13 minutes with a pack on my back, get to the gym, swim 2000 meters, run the same pace home, do push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups in my garage. till I was blue in the face and, uh, and have that be, you know, a three day a week thing. And the SEAL contract went from, oh, the Navy took it away from me to look what I did for my physical fitness when I was that driven. And if I can do that, if I can do that, I can do anything I want to. Uh, that's the first one. Nice. The second one. I hospitalized my father when I was 17 years old. And when I used to tell people this, you know, especially the summer after, um, because you're 17, your brain's still building and not too sure how to process that, you know, um, and to mask the guilt and the, the, the attempts at processing that. I was like, yeah, I hospitalized my dad, 32 stitches in his face, broken nose, four staples in the back of his head as some like misaligned, like I'm dangerous. And that one is actually, was actually in my head is like, I'm dangerous. I watch out like, uh, probably should not go full steam ahead anymore. Probably shouldn't. And like, yeah, that was before the seal thing. So I still had some drive. I, my fire burned so, so raging hot that it burned me and it burned someone else. And I put it out. And uh, that story, we worked in level one. And um, you know, Mark told me on my level one call, he's like, some of the best men I know are dangerous. And it was in a month ago. I'm sitting in meditation, right? And that story went from I'm dangerous to back into some victim mentality to, oh, wait, actually, my dad was drunk and bullied his 17-year-old son into fighting him into compassion for my dad because he, his parents were divorced. His mom was, drank a lot. Uh, his uncle, his mom's brother, who was his main, like, big brother, male role model figure, was shot by a ex Chicago police officer and the cop cut off easy. Mm. So there was all of the, and once I went through and lifted ancestors and I, I really dove into perspective for that. Now I had compassion for my dad. I was like, oh, well, how was he supposed to operate any differently? He didn't have these tools. And then about a month ago, month plus, sit on a meditation cushion non-negotiable for me before bed, 10 to 15 minutes. This one went about 30 because his memory came in. And then a bunch of good memories of me and my father came in. And like my dad and I have been decent since then. He, you know, he had a fun car to drive. I had my own key fob for it, my own you know, seat memory, you know. Um, and I just, I started sobbing in meditation because I realized that I, from my end of it, had put a hindrance on our relationship by still carrying some of that story and by editing out the times going to the ski hill, but being four years old and sitting on his foot when I was scared of garbage truck, flying remote control airplanes, the physical fitness that I learned from him. And while I would give him credit on podcasts, I wasn't fully feeling how much the coach that individuals see in front of them today the precipice of that was 
my dad having a weight bench in his bedroom when I was four years old and me going, Oh, physical fitness is just a thing. Mm. And I just started crying and I, I kept crying. I cut out of meditation. I grabbed my phone. I put this note and the title of the note on my phone was, I see you, dad. And it was, I remember, and it was like 30 or 40 great memories with my dad. I took it. I sent that note to him and uh, I wrote it. I mean, I wrote that mainly for me. And I also, when it was coming through, it was for him. Um, he said he's referenced that on tough times since then. Uh, my young brother, my little brother passed at age 27, unexpectedly on November 27, 2021. And uh, going back and reading that when grief strikes my dad has been helpful for him. And that, that story, there are layers to this game. You know, so for anybody's listening, who's been into story work, you know, if you found me over on this podcast and you know about this stuff, there are, there are layers and levels to this. And you might think you cleared a story. Cool. You cleared this one from it. Have you truly, there's, you know, there's an art of forgiveness. And until you, for, until you forgive yourself. And like truly and authentically forgive yourself for your role in something, whether it be 1% or 99%, because everything's a two-way street, you have yet to forgive and release the situation. And that forgiveness may come with feeling the guilt, feeling the remorse, and allowing yourself to feel it all the way through, because any feeling felt all the way through is bliss. Damn, any feeling felt all the way through is bliss. That's Joseph Campbell. I uh, I use it often, and I credit where credit is due. That's, That's Joseph Campbell. Sweet. I'm familiar with Joseph Campbell. Haven't heard it though. Yeah. I'm gonna make a note of that one later. Dude, that is like such a great share. Thank you. <clears throat> I think that I, I definitely understand the. I can resonate with the compassion component. Because last last Wednesday we had a date night. And uh, we we were just chillaxing. And then I was just kind of organizing my thoughts, like how I think, because I have a system, I have a structure, I have a framework, a mental framework for thinking. And what happened or what this kind of just, it started as a tangent. And then I was just kind of going from, just going with the flow of where kind of my intuition was go telling me or recommending me to kind of talk about or look at or stuff like that and what ended up happening is we were chilling we were going to do some breath work and then I just after I was explaining my thought process what I found was from if I look at our ages or if I look at my age as a chapter in a book so I'm on chapter 33 I anticipate or I have a pretty decent thought process where I have a decent probability that I might get to like a hundred, for example. So I use a hundred or 120 as my benchmark. So chapter a hundred, then there's chapter zero. There's the pre or not the prequel, but the prelude. So what, what I ended up having in this opportunity was I was sharing it with Kendra. That's one part, which was really cool. But what I ended up finding is in this framework, in this thought process, I view each of those ages as a chapter in a book. And when I go back to uh, converse, 
let's say, converse with those different chapters, what I found was from zero to now, I've made peace with each of those, to the best of my ability currently, each of those chapters, each of those ages. And then what I did, what, what I also do is I future cast. So what I think of is in this moment right now, my 100-year-old self could be reliving this as a memory and thinking while on the rocking chair, damn, that was a really cool conversation with Chase. I really appreciate how he shared his story. And that's what I'm thinking of now. So I have peace from the past and into the present. And when this realization kind of clicked where that's kind of where I was just kind of flowing towards, I freaking just started just crying from gratitude. And it was that feeling where I could feel the weight. And I, I told, I told Kendra when we were on a walk, like the week before where kind of solar plexus, I believe there is a tightness there. There's a tightness and it's a, at that time, it was a rem reminder for me to breathe into my belly, to open up myself and to breathe into my belly rather than just breathe into my chest. But this time was different because that tension that I experienced where I developed that compassion for my younger self and then the compassion for my future self, I felt a huge release in that tension, like a physiological, like, ugh, like just, it was just a release of a knot. And when I felt that compassion, it just went right through me. It was like, I went from zero to 100, literally chapter zero to 100. I'm in chapter 33 and it flowed right through. And it was kind of like the way it kind of looked in my mind is in Avengers Endgame when the Hulk goes to the ancient one and the ancient one is explaining timelines. And when you remove one of the stones, it branches off and it looks like a dark kind of timeline. It felt like I put a stone back in and then it became the timeline of consistency, like across the board. And then I was able to kind of feel everything all at once. And then, oh, I had a pretty decent cry. And it was not out of sadness and sorrow. It was out of like, it was compassion. It was joy. It was fulfillment. It was a completely different realm that I have not experienced in a quite a while. It was like, whoa, it was very powerful. It was nuts. Crazy. That's, I love that you went to timeline because as you were talking about this, I've, I've talked about this with Kim Kesson a couple of times and possibly a couple other people, you know, the story work, going back and looking at past things and future casting. I mean, we all know time's imaginary, right? And if you don't, welcome to the news, time's imaginary. Yeah. And uh, Surprise. Surprise. And is this work going back, whatever, whatever modality you choose to connect with and heal your inner child, it's time travel. And while your memory, your core memory of that event, it's still there. And you've now went back and released it from that kid. And, and to your point, if we have these skills now, then the future us has them. And when we can think about that, that now in this moment, well, they've already assessed this and released it. So is that part of why when we really master these skills, we get better at being objective and fair and compassionate and gracious in the moment? Mm. Nice. It's fun little rabbit hole i like to dive down when we talk about healing forward and backward oh buddy man we can you know 
a couple of thought. I thought that kind of, I thought that was inspired by that. It just kind of, bloop. uh, mm-hmm. I really like, I really like that. You said that time is imaginary. It's made up, which it totally is. Cause the way I explain it is the reason we have a 24 hour clock or that we have time in general is just to organize the perceived chaos. It creates a little sense of order in our world and in our mind. The clock. Yeah. Got it. Words, right? We both like words. What are we, what do we keep track of on clocks? Hours? Mm-hmm. What are shared experiences? Hours. Hours. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Time is the only thing that creates a shared experience. And without it, we would go back to unity. Agreed. Or whatever, whatever source you, you as an individual, individuals believe you come from. Um, this is, this is a thread I've been pulling on. Ours are the only thing that create our shared experiences. I like that. Could you, where else have you gone with that particular thought? What kind of rabbit hole have you uh, reflected on? I'm very intrigued by that. I really like, I really like that. I like that quite a bit. Teach me, teach me something. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, let me, uh, let me, there, there's something that I, I may get to pull up here then because it, it was already pinging in my mind. And when you say, where else have you went with that? Um, story time. I'm going to, I'm going to cut out some of the stuff I've put into this since then. Um, and this there it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday that it's like, man, there's something, there's a reason to grab my journal for a few extra minutes than just my nightly wins and daily dump. And like Tuesday and Wednesday and finally Friday, my wife and I were, we put our daughter down and we watched a little bit of TV and she went upstairs. It's like, I'm going down the basement and take my volcano and my journal. And we're going to see what comes out. And my pen started moving and more or less, this is what came out. It's a little, it'll be probably right on par with some of the stories I've told lengthwise. And Beautiful. we'll see if Google Docs here loads for me to scroll it. And we got the first page up. The time thing goes on in this and there's some other pieces that I, I feel will. So, so here's the thing. There's this flow of energy, a subcurrent, if you will. It wants to flow through each observation point evenly, and we are the observation points. We've been putting different names on this force for eons, trying our best to understand it and make sense of it. Ra, Odin, Zeus, Jupiter, God, Allah, some call it the universe. And from a young age, attending a Christian church, I had the thought that the chances of one dogmatic religion's book being the right one was slim to none. Did I think there wasn't a God? I wondered, and mostly knew that the idea of there not being a higher power, whether interdimensional, deity, etheric, or otherwise, seemed unlikely. What if all the myth throughout time was trying to describe the same thing? I used to think it was all trying to describe the same thing, and I've come to contemplate and ask the question of what force would be able to even create the idea of these entities or the events attributed to them. I've become quite certain that what is attributed to gods, entities, and even the universe is being much more etheric than most imagine. This flow of energy is unnamed, and yet where's anyone's name who will have it? 
you see, when I say that we are the observation points, this energy has a preference on which way each observation point moves. Said in another way, each, each participant only has this flow fully available to him when they let it come. Yet, both of these are inaccurate as there is neither the capacity for this force to have a preference or be a participant. Some would call this force intuition. I would posit that it's only noticed as intuition. It's actually much bigger. Intuition implies this force is inside of us, which is wildly inaccurate. This force, or some would say field, is all around us, weaving the fabric of our experience. The fun part is that as an observation point, when you learn to listen to it and follow the flow of the force, the experience of said field becomes much more felt, much more authentic, and life becomes yours for the making. Before we go any further, I know my whole theory is written in full awareness that the old Taoist maxim, he who speaks the Tao does not know it, he who knows the Tao does not speak it, is in full effect here. And yes, you'll see a slew of ideas that allow with the Taoist view of life as well as others. While well, I used to think the above quote meant, yeah, I know it and I'm confident in it, so I don't need to prove it. I've come to realize that it refers to he who knows the Tao not speaking it because there are no words to describe it. And that's the beautiful challenge that comes about with writing this. There are no words to describe this flow of energy, yet if you felt it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This all makes sense to you because you felt it with your senses. You can read up on all the sages, shamans, and the size of old, and you, until you've truly felt this force, it will only be a mental understanding as opposed to an understanding that you can feel in your bones with all of your senses because it makes sense. I'll go as far as to posit that our sixth sense is the ability to feel, hear, see, and taste, and smell this flow of energy. This is one reason to mind for our body in a way that allows for this force to flow freely. More on that later. No, we won't get that far here. I got a few more paragraphs. I fought this energy for a while, or was that exactly what the energy wanted me to flow for me to end up where I am? This is the paradox. To, because to even write about this force implies there's any part of it separate from ourselves and that we have any choice in how it flows. Can we actually choose the flow or is there another illusion of free will? What creates this illusion of separate from the piece of this experience from each other? Why? It's the illusion of time. Our shared hours are the only way any perception of an experience would happen. Language is funny like that, leaving breadcrumbs along the way to help us see the clues to help to find the flow, to truly feel the force. Time, you see, is the river through which this energy flows and also the energy that flows through this river. Except for time is not a one directional river. While the immediate experience may be rooted in time, we can also influence the timeline both forward and backward. I say both as that is the easiest way to describe time in the widely accepted linear view of things. Time, in the sense we're talking about is a 3D cube or sphere. We can move forward and backward, left and right, up and down. This side to side and up and down are where we find different possibilities. You see, it all exists already. Every possibility that could happen to you. So while you might be able to influence your current path forward or backward, that forward influence might just end up moving you up and to the left into a whole new realm of possibilities than you previously imagined. As as I had started to say, it is only our limited linear perception of time that creates any separation from the all. You see, everything that has ever happened or that ever will happen is already here and now, or more accurately, everywhere and always. It is only our perception of time as ours that creates our experience. Ours are what makes this place ours. That is to say, if we stripped away the timeline, we would cease to realize this experience. This purpose of this is the purpose of us, 
as observation points. The ether that is the underlying that the ether that is underlying all of this is too vast and expansive to ever be able to experience a piece of life. At that level, everything is just energy. That's why this field, the universe, God, or whatever you call it, had to create a veil, multiple layers thick, and recreate itself as observation points to see through pinholes of the veil. Some stay stuck in their pinhole of an observation point for their whole ride in this physical plane, convinced that they are experiencing, <clears throat> convinced that they are experiencing all that there is to experience. Others yet find their way through the veil, and the road, and that road lies within. Dude, that's freaking awesome. What a great entry. Damn. I like that. I like that Thank quite you. a bit. Thank you. Thank you for allowing the space for me to read that all. Thank you for sharing it. I've I've am very grateful for that. I I I there there there's so many parts in that that correlate to how I think the kind of world functions as well like from a from a macro standpoint to a micro standpoint and by no means do i think of myself as like a quote unquote religious person nor do i think of myself as uh i like to find i search for neutrality and i find that neutrality is where we find the most presence and when we are the most present that's when there's the less the least amount of resistance for information to get to us. Yes. And the more present we are, the the more we are able to find neutrality. And so it's it's interesting. I, f I find like finding that balance between multiple dichotomies is a pursuit of self-actualization and becoming a character and i look at this as a video game we're just role play characters like you're the you're the main character of your video game i'm the main character of my video game but i'm also your npc and you're my npc 100 and i think i think as people progress towards being more present rather than perpetuating pain from the past into the present or as joe dispenza would say he would talk about uh i think it was past past present rather than present future something yes. along those lines but people are going in one or other direction and so i find that that is one of the veils that if we are able to kind of not separate ourselves but to acknowledge and make peace with and be compassionate about the future and about the past and not just from within but out, outside as well then we are able to find the same i find that the same information gets to the people that just go along this journey. And I don't think of that as being something crazy, like a, an individual or a, an ethereal being of consciousness. I think that there is a, the idea of a collective consciousness. And the way that I envision that is a half dome where it's not a full sphere, but it is a half dome where the only thing that the, the main thing that is important with this kind of thought process is just understanding how little difference there actually is. And I think that we create more differences. And in my personal opinion, I like to count, consider myself uh, not bound to banners because I think that the more banners that we are bound to, the more we have to defend our 
position because when we are bound by a banner, if a banner is being questioned, we have to defend our identity. Not well, you're identifying with that banner as opposed to identifying with yourself. I heard a, exactly. a wonderful definition of enlightenment recently, which was sanity, which is knowing who you are. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and to your point about banners, if we identify with the right or the left or this or that or whatever it be, you know, uh, sports teams, give them bread and circus and they will never revolt. You know, yeah. um, I didn't play many sports. I don't have that, like, that anchor to go watch it either. And there's that quote that comes up for me anytime like I find myself, you know, joining a three hours on Sunday watching football. I'm like, I mean, call me, call me a hippie. I'd rather go for a tire drag in my earth runners and get my cold tub. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, what you said there was so beautiful. And you were on a roll. I just want to toss that in that that definition of enlightenment is to fully know ourselves. And when we start identifying with those banners, it takes right to your point, man, it takes us right out of that. And I, I talk about a little bit of what you were saying too further on in my piece. Um, I have about 4,000 words out so far. I'm going to get to 40,000 before I publish. And, uh, you know, we are all a conduit. And if we become resistant to that flow, then it will find another conduit to flow through. And you, you laid it out so well there about, uh, you know, getting off of neutrality or off of uh, the, the compassion, love, the gratitude and all, you know, and, and falling into anger or judgment and all that will stifle that flow. Absolutely. That's so crazy. I actually, I'm going to share something that I wrote today as well. <laughs> We're just actually doing a book club podcast Let's episode go. here. <laughs> Let's go. But uh, what I found, I had this thought where I, 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 I'm basically coming up with a mental framework of how to develop an individual philosophy. Mm. So that's, and the reasoning, the inspiration behind that kind of thought process is people are told what to think, not how to think. And I'm a big proponent for challenging our own internal thoughts because a majority of our thoughts, if we're thinking 60,000, 90,000 thoughts a day, a lot of those are on repeat. And how much do we find quote unquote truth in them? When we can ask like what you were mentioning before, how accurate are these thoughts? So I'm trying to articulate and organize a thought process that instills the idea that we can create our own philosophies or our, or our own code of conduct in how to interact with the world. And then we can compare our behaviors with this code of conduct that we declare to be important to us. So it, it, that's kind of, what's, say again, sorry. I, I, I love that. I, I, um, I put a post out last week that created some, some stir. A lot of people loved it. Um, it said the search for purpose is bullshit. Uh, yeah and adam chin commented almost exactly what you just said once we can figure out the how we want to do things then it becomes what can i do in that state absolutely yeah absolutely so uh this was more of a tangenty one i don't really post like a lot of like yeah yeah pretty much can't tangenty but uh <clears throat> what i wrote was i found for myself the biggest hurdle to realizing what I'm capable of was the lack of my own philosophy or code of conduct to live a full, full, fulfilling, joyful life, a life in line with the inner role model I envision. 
a method of thinking that was my own rather than what others have told me to think. School systems, theological belief systems, protests, and or banners with participants pushing a pseudo-morality and other ideological belief systems, empowering some, but repressing others, are not in line with the good vibes I wish to experience during my finite time on this planet. Incongruence in behavior and the inability to question ideas as a limiting factor in the pursuit of self-actualization in my mind. Just like any other ideological system, there is a cap to what we can learn due to the constraints of the system we chose to follow. It's recycled information that can easily expire if not tended to and reflected on regularly to test the validity of the thoughts. We end up stagnant without understanding why because we were told what to think rather than how to think. When we develop the skill of how to think, it gives us the opportunity to question our own thoughts and reality in order to view the world through our observing eye rather than our perceiving eye that we are conditioned to depend on. The development of our own philosophy, where we learn to think rather than accept what we are told to think, is the most powerful tool to have in the utility belt. It helps defend us from the tyranny we may not see if we are not willing to look past our biased perceptions in order to have an objective point of view. Creating a mental framework to pressure test against life has been existential, has been an existential and exhilarating journey. There is more internal peace in understanding the potential of the mind and removing the chains I previously chose to keep latched. With this peace and clarity, there are no longer self-imposed limiting factors, preventing progress and perpetuating pain. Once the internal narratives pushed by others are removed, we can make room for our own thoughts to breathe. In this added space, we can define the life we wish to live and compare whichever ideology we currently worship to that metric. It makes it easier for us to step back to see if where we are currently is where we want to be and lined up. If not, then we progress into the next chapter of our life, however we define the evolution of the self. Mental mastery through the creation of mind maps, mental frameworks, and clarity on the life and person we wish to be can keep our actions congruent. We are no longer fighting the person we wish to be because the mind is working with us rather than against us. The mind knows the deep-rooted desires. We actively fight it based on the programming we choose to take on as our identity. Develop your philosophy of existence that lines up with the life you wish to live rather than the life others tell you to live. And that was my, that was my little post. I love that. Um, something came up for me early on and that was you know, talking about a thought that percolated via something you said was how individuals when they get so bent up over banners or angry, is it that they really believe in that banner or is it their subconscious and their soul and uh, their higher self, whatever you want to call it, being angry or sad or yelling out that they just want to know themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty Neat little freaking knowledge bombs we're dropping today, man. I'm feeling freaking great. This is so good. I'm like, like my insides are just, I'm like vibrating because I'm such a, I'm just in a fantastic mood right now, man. Like this is great. I think, uh, I think the, the beauty, I think the beauty of life is when we get to 
have the opportunity to explore different perspectives. But I find that when we are coming from the place of infatuation, from a place of love, rather than a place of resentment, from a place of hate, we find that both paths lead to similar endpoints. And mm. as we progress along the path, it's either we figure out which one we want to go in and we, and it's just going along the same route. And I found that when there's that compassion, when there is that love, then we get to find more like-minded individuals that want to create or be not create, but to be integrated into the larger whole, I think. And the information that I think most of us learn when it comes to the compassion, when it comes to the love, when it comes to the self-love, internal love, external love, when it comes to uh, the development of the self and in that, and in the development of the self, we, and in the acceptance of ourself, we actually get to uh, set the ripple, ripple effect where other people get to see the opportunity because they get to see just a, sh a little shift. And oh. so I think that the information as a whole where is very similar when we get to there. So when you mentioned yes. before where it's something that you sense, it's something that may be there or may not be there, but when you sense it, you know it. Right when you hit, said that, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. I, I Like the feeling comes up when I think yeah. about what you're articulating it's when you're talking about the you know coming from love uh knowing ourselves we talk about that definition of enlightenment and the ripple effect right we take all that we throw it together and we talk about you know let's let's talk about the mechanism behind that ripple effect mm. uh, when we are our most authentic self when we clear that resistance other banners other other people's anger generational stuff when we clear that well, now we are our most authentic self and there's literally more divinity in the world. And if we are, if we resist being our most authentic self, there's less divinity in the world because we are expressing less of that force that is trying to come through us. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think something that's kind of neat where I like to, I view it like, I like, I like the saying where as above, so below as within, so without and then there's a third part to it as well, but I forget what it is. But I think that something that's really cool is if you, from the micro to the macro, smallest point to the largest, to the atoms, to the universe, the ever-expanding universe that we just inhabit, I think that our internal environment is just another, like you're another universe, I'm another universe. And when we find that divinity or the idea of that divinity, that is the separator of our consciousness. Our consciousness is the quote unquote God for our internal microorganisms for the universe that we are. And I think something that's really interesting to think of is the same functions, the same mechanisms that allow atoms to function are the same mechanisms that allows the universe to expand. And we're just one of those veils. Mm. And I think that's kind of like a, I think when I had that thought before and I found that there is a lot of power or strength in understanding or acknowledging that 
the consciousness, the mind, the possibilities of the mind have such so much more power than any of us anticipate until the thought pops up where suddenly it's like it's like the brain doesn't like feel right like it doesn't feel but when right. this thought pops up where it's just like click and it's just like whoa then it's then that's a that's the sense that i think of where well let, let's really give the heart some credit right we can talk about heart. you talked you talked about dr joe dispenza let's talk about some heart coherence yes i mean and and this this is not you know i know I mean, if anybody's still listening to this, they're open to Gaia TV level science for sure. And this is not Gaia level science. It's it's Stanford medical level science that there is a field that emits from your heart that is measurable at least three feet away from your body, mm -hmm. at least. And what do we know about how many things we don't know about this universe? About So um, think about mothers who have had sons killed in action. They know before they get the report, before they even get the call. They feel it when it happens. So- I mean, you talk about feeling it. Let's give heart coherence some credit. Let's, um, that's another thing for me is, you know, I had a buddy over and we were, we were going down similar rabbit holes to this. And he's like, well, how do you know where to go in life? How do you know what to go after? I was like, because I felt it. And he asked, well, how do you know what it feels like? And if I may dive into another story time here. Absolutely. It's my third 5-MeO DMT experience. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I'd done it twice prior to this. And the individual, their, their dose depends. So it's like it, it walks your nervous system into it real smoothly. And there's six pens. And my second time, I hit the sixth pen. I, I melted into and became a rainbow river source consciousness. Like I just, boom, like I was. I just was. Um, third time, he goes, we're, we're friends by now. I show up at his house. We eat a little bit of steak or steaks are cooking anyway mm. he's like come on back he's like all right you're gonna and you know usually you'd hit four wait a minute or two hit five it's like you're gonna hit four hit five hit six hold your breath as long as you can i'll see you on the other side awesome. i was plugged into the power grid of the universe and i don't mean i was standing outside holding onto a power line i was inside the supernova that powers doll and i was like laying on the ground like <sighs> like reaching up into the sky and as i came back down and started grounding my body i'm like i find myself going out to the side and scooping into my heart center and then i become as i ground in my body a little more i start crying and just overcome with this immense bliss and gratitude and i realize that that most powerful force in the universe that i was plugged into out there was love and just semi-recently, you know, I, I still like some bros, some bro lifts. So I was doing dumbbell incline bench press. And uh, like, oh, wait, I've been telling people to smile in the gym instead of grimace and listen to better music for a while. And it just popped in my head. I was like, what if I tap into that feeling, that power from that night? And I put myself back in that space. I didn't go smoking DMT and, and lifting. Don't, don't worry, guys. Um, but I... Uh, <laughs> I uh, I tapped into that and it's just so smooth and so and people are using anger which creates resistance to try and move more resistance and if you can tap into love resistance gets smoother 
inside the gym and outside with communication, with family, with friends in your life and your career. So that's story time. Dude, that's freaking sweet story time. That's interesting. This is a, this is so far a freaking crazy, interesting conversation. Just like, just way Rabbit. out there and just all yeah. over the place, man. So cool. It's actually funny. Cause a lot of folks are like, Oh, cause I'm, cause I'm a coach. Right. And people are like, Oh, is it, is your podcast about fitness or is it about training? It's like, honestly, it's about the lessons that people take from experiences that were profound in their life mm-hmm. and how those experiences first impacted them and then impacting others. And then I think that's something that's so beautiful and uh, is the idea that what what is created in mind also exists. So I think I think that the experience with 5MEO or 5MEO DMT and then mushrooms and then stuff like that the brain can't tell the difference between our thoughts and reality or what we experience in here compared to outside. And there's so many focus people that focus on the external world for the validation of their reality. When those opportunities where we get to like zoom into our mind, but in going in, we end up going even further out. I think that when we get that opportunity to uh, find that sense of, um, not inspiration, but when we experience those moments, it unlatches like a, like, I think of it like a skill tree. You, you have, you unlocked the skill that you already had, but you were just at the right level where you could utilize that quote unquote skill from the skill tree in order to, uh, I would assume utilize that for better workouts, better coaching. And that, you get to tap into those those feels and going along with my little experience where i had the compassion from the from the from the role model version of myself the rival version of myself the me which is Kyle Prime and then the past and the present or past and the future selves when i found that there was that love there was that compassion now i understand what feeling present or being present feels like so now i know with that re- as a reference point, oh, okay, I know what that's like. And it's interesting because when we think of it in the mind, it actually brings us back to, or it brings those thoughts, those feels, and our physical or body responds to uh, the kind of craziness of what our thoughts are. And that that goes all the way down to the atomic level. That goes all the way up to how we interact with other human beings, how we perceive the world how we want to pursue the activities that we desire. It's honestly, I have like so many freaking tangents going on in my brain right now. It's just so freaking cool, man. This is good. Well, think about, uh, you know, you ever walk into a room and a couple was just arguing and like, you have yet to look at either of their faces. You can tell. Yep. Yeah. And and this is a, a rather loud example for our mind and our body to pick up on. And it's been proven that sound imprints on drywall behind paint at high enough levels. So, yeah. So, um, I've walked into houses of individuals, and I, I know one individual in my life, super nice house built out of all wood and stone, went through a nasty divorce. All those natural product, the like big wooden beam that runs through it, the stones chipping, the beams twisting. Um, 
there is, I mean, that, that field that gets emitted from our heart and whatever else gets put out from our body and our mind imprints. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how people pick us, pick up on us. Oh, if you're talking, talking all kinds of nonsense about yourself, talking all kinds of nonsense about other people in your head. And then you go, I don't know why they don't like me. Well, there's this wonderful thing called the uh, four-step story work method. Uh, yeah. What's that? Tell us about that. Four-step method. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's what I use with my clients. And it's, uh, it is one of the most practical ways. Like, I, I've trained with an intuitive mentor for 14 weeks, one-on-one. I've done readings on people and been really, really, really weirdly accurate. Like, oh, it seems like you're like standing at the top of a waterfall about to make a big decision. And this woman was literally building a model of a waterfall in her living room. Like, nice. yeah, stuff like that. Um, and working the stories has been the most beneficial aspect in the most practical way to grab hold of all this stuff that we've talked about that, that can be hard to grasp. It's like, well, how do I master this? How do I really create frameworks for all this? And it's like, well, you just take an honest look at the stories, write them down, speak them out loud, look at the words that are in them, then go from there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Do you find that when folks are dialing in their stories or when you're assisting in dialing in their stories, they find themselves a little bit more, the, the ability to be responsive and to see it as is becomes a lot simpler or like how quick of a shift does a person make when these thoughts and these they're reorganized they're the same thoughts and same words but they're just reorganized a bit how quick of a turnover is that depends on the individual and uh quicker than they think it's possible nice nice most people feel like that's the story and it's been written and uh we are always always holding the pen a lot of people forget that they're their own author. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're the, uh, the, we, we create the storyboard of life. Sir. Yeah. That's pretty sweet, man. Whereabouts, whereabouts do you envision you yourself going with just the crazy conversations that we're having or just like the insightful conversations that we're having? I find that there is, mm, I'll just let you go with that one. Where is it that you envision your yourself going? Where is it that you see things? Yeah, going for yourself, I suppose. Into whichever doors continue to open for me. Um, nice. I shopped down my gym in the, at the end of 2021 after my brother passed because I, I wasn't in some of the pictures and I wasn't in some of the videos perfect storm of I had a, a head coach leave before my brother died and then realized, realizing that my staff just wasn't as bought in as they thought they originally were as I, as I needed them to be for me to be out of day-to-day operations at the gym and mm. uh, it was time it's been almost eight years it's a fun ride and I went full bore online and then I 
got into uh, business consulting and now we're uh, now I, I tripped all and landed into business acquisition. We are uh, purchasing a, an HVAC and plumbing business and uh, I'm using these skills that I have to help develop leadership teams. And I still have my personal coaching practice. I carry a handful, handful of clients uh, and I also run small group retreats with my buddy, Dave Robinson. And uh, we are going right with me in Breckenridge, Colorado this July. We're going to go do a hike out there, and, uh, run group story work sessions. And all that to be said, I envision myself continuing to practice whatever form of this work that helps me to create the most impact uh, and doing it in a way that allows me to show up as show up and provide as a father and a husband. I have a nine month old daughter and uh, I've said since before she was born that by the time she's five and starting to be able to create a perception around what's possible in life, all she's going to know is that anything is possible. And a lot of parents, a lot of very well-meaning parents that had stories, stuff that held them back from truly executing because you know it is what it is, but a lot of parents try to instill that in their kids. And the best way to instill it is to go out there and fucking do it. Agreed. Follow it up with the behavior so that they see it. Cause I, you know, I was chatting with a couple of friends of mine just about kiddos and there's a lot of the parents that'll say anything is possible, but then the question is, well, why isn't the parents yep. showing that? And I think that brings, when, when the kids see the incongruence between actions and behaviors, then they adopt that because they adopt it because that's what they see and that's what they experience. And then it also provides permission to keep that incongruence and to say one thing, but then behave in the opposite direction and believe that to be okay. And I think if your kiddos... I think what you're doing is pretty cool, man. That's going to be a really cool little, uh, real solid trail. What do you think is going to be, uh, outside of you can do anything. What do you think is going to be a big lesson that you at in your lineage that you shifted that you get to change for your kiddo? Hmm. That she, in a lot of what we've talked about here today, that she gets to decide absolutely who she is and how she shows up in this world. Um, and that it is possible to do that from the beginning with words and breath that support as much. I mean, people already, she's nine months old. They're like, oh, she's just a little ball of love and she's so enjoyable. And she's so, you know, like more than most people just say to be nice about babies. Um, and it, it's really cool uh, being that the, there's a generational shift going on. You know, um, I said this earlier in a client call, there's a, there's a generational shift going on with uh, the tools that we now have available to us that our parents didn't. You know, and I am I am also, as a follow-on to this answer, going to be very, very open, and this will be part of the shift. When she gets to be 20, 25, 30, and she brings something to me, I'm going to listen. Maybe there was a spot I could have done better. 
you know what, even if I'm 70 years old and she's 35 and I'm going on 70, guess what? Still going to listen. And then, and even if I'm 70, 72, 75, I'll integrate. I'm going to listen. I'm going to take a look at it. And if she's right, I will integrate that. And then I get to level up forward and backward, left, right, up and down on that timeline. Nice. Freaking not quite Kang the Conqueror style, but definitely a master of time. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's super cool, man. Man, there's I'm trying to think. There's like it's pretty interesting because there's just like a crazy flow of thoughts that are going through. And oftentimes I'm a little bit quicker with kind of like questions or insights. So it's kind of, I'm just like kind of taking in the information that you're providing, just the, just the conversation. And it's, it's, I find it to be a very uplifting It's uplifting because hearing how you're chatting with me, I think that we got a pretty solid, like, similarities as a baseline but then hearing how you want to pass that information forward compared to what it what previous uh people were like in the family i love hearing that change i like hearing that that shift and there's so much so much so much so much stuff that's kind of like being organized and reorganizing and just taking taking the potentials of what could happen. I'm just seeing it just expand. It's like if I'm watching a, not a lava lamp, but if I'm watching uh, like acrylic paint kind of just yeah. spread outwards. So it starts in a very small spot and then the acrylic paint is kind of going and expanding and then you have like these air bubbles and then you have like the whites blues blacks red green all the different colors and it's just expanding 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 and what i'm getting from this kind of conversation is the idea that through this expansion the life life that we the life that we perceive can become so much more beautiful in a work of art and i view life as a work of art so I am an artist of this life that I get to experience. And if I don't like the art, then I change the style. Or of course my mom's here babysitting. She was just talking about a book she's reading that says that uh, operates along this same line. So of course we have this conversation. You start saying that. Nice. Uh, what's yeah. the book out of curiosity? Cause I, it's by Rick Rubin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you read it yet? No. You'll love it. If you yeah, check it out, sure. you'll be like, Whoa. Yeah. But he talks about that a lot where the artists, where artists are just, well, life as a whole is just a, a creative, a creative endeavor. And it's not, it's whatever we create is a representation of us in that time. And what we produce, whether it's a program or a coaching service or the life that we live as is, it's a beautiful uh, piece of art, a, per a beautiful little experience that we get to uh, partake in. Mm. Oh man. Love that. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So where is it or what is it that 
pulls you in the direction that you're going? Like, what is the, what is the, obviously there's the feel, but where's the, what's the mission? What's the vision that for how you want to impact others, I suppose. I want to impact others is I want to coach myself out of a job. Nice. Like I, I, and I'm, you know, there, there is a bit of a shift afoot and, uh, you know, what is it? The, the hundredth funky experiment, I think outlines this for one, once you get enough people on board with an idea, it just catches fire and goes. And if I coach enough of the right leaders and the right fathers and the right people in the right positions, when I do that, I'll be out of a job. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because another part of my mission in life is to be able to absolutely like this world is a theme park. We were born into a time where, you know, the earth is still here. We haven't killed it off quite yet. We might be able to save it. Who knows? Um, and it's a theme park. We can go anywhere and do anything on this planet. And I'm going to take my daughter and I'm going to, I'm going to give her as many experiences, like true raw experiences as possible. That's, I mean, that's what, my impact will help me to create and give her that, that piece of her life. So that's really cool. Do you have a common piece of advice for folks that are struggling? That breath is advice one. Breathe. Two, um, somebody out there is begging for your problems. That's good. Somebody out there is begging for your problems. Mm. Dude, that's very good. Oh, that's that's like super good. It's actually so funny because my, it's not like, it's interesting because my, it's not like my mind, my, my mind is just, everything that you're articulating is just so, so like it's really spot on with I'm more so in like, like a, a sense of awe right now. It's like, Whoa, okay. I understand that this other fella that I have not met in person is basically reading my mind, which is freaky. <laughs> I mean, freaky, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's really cool. Just the, the impact, or I'm, I guess I'm kind of recognizing the impact of uh, the idea of just pursuing the self and just the collection of folks that just are coming around. And I'm just having this really big moment of gratitude where there's just, it's an indicator that I'm on the right track and it's lining up with the the, the feels that we were talking about earlier. And something that I want to share with the listeners on this one is, well, I guess I'm sharing it with you, obviously, but the the thing that's important in my mind in this moment, right here, right now, while talking to you, Chase, is understanding that when, when there's not no longer... When we pass the point of pretending 
and we decide to pursue being, the amount of time that we perceive things to take shorten significantly. And it's not because of the individuals or the things that we're doing. It is because our surroundings are letting us know that we are on the right track. And I think when we get out of our own way of coming to the going after the pursuit of what we desire, when we get out of our own way, when we are no longer resisting that desire and we are instead going with the flow of the river, I suppose, then there's a lot more support than I think many people perceive there to be. And so basically, basically what I was going with that one is I was just having a crazy cool, like, holy shit, like things are really cool. Things are really amazing. People I'm chatting with are really cool. Your insights are freaking fantastic. And I'm super grateful for you to be here. And it's just so interesting because, because there's usually a little bit more, a little bit more structure to my conversations. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's like, off the off the wall kind of conversation conversations that I, I didn't think I would be having on a podcast, but having an experience that was very profound, but then being able to share it with someone who's had a similar kind of crazy experience where it's like, I find that this, the foundation of what we're talking about is the same. And then the beauty of this world is that our two characters get to portray it in the way that is unique to us. And I think that's cool. I think that's kind of like where my thoughts are going on that one. Yeah. They're both very unique puzzle pieces that fit into the same puzzle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. brother. Yeah, dude, this is like super crazy. What are some kind of the thoughts that you got while we're having this conversation? Cause I'm just like super present and like just hyper, like chill on this one. Well, yeah. What do you, what are your, some, uh, takeaways, some thoughts that you're kind of pondering that's stewing in your mind? Well, you said river and it, it, because I was reading it, it threw me back into my book and I suppose going from the paragraph or paragraphs right now, I, I lay out an idea in there, uh, a theory that, you know, we each have a river and that river is flowing and similar to the being a conduit and open to the flow. A lot of people are trying to steer a river that's steering them. And while you can alter where that river is going, a lot of people are trying to change the flow of that river with things like a higher paying job, a new car, a new house, a spouse that isn't really aligned with who they are. And then they end up, you know, it's, it's not that match that truly fits. And to drive this point home once more, when we truly dive into ourselves. Some people go out into the world to create themselves. Others go into themselves to create their world. And when you can layer that in 10 layers thick, well, now that river can shift up into the right, into a different part, different timeline. And you're, you're not steering it because you are it. So. Oh, God. It's funny because you know how I mentioned before how it's uh, when you drop the knowledge bomb, when it hits the head, the heart, and the intuition, the gut, you just dropped like a couple, like going just like boom, boom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> that was really good. What else do we got now? Holy shite. That's pretty cool. So yeah, you're writing that as a book. So like a full like novel, is there, tell me about the book. Tell me about your thought process with the book, what it, the ideas behind it and stuff. So a lot of the philosophy and theory just came flowing out of me. Uh, what I am working on now, what it will take more uh, structure, right? Because there's there's room for all of this in this world. And life's a, the trick is to realize life's just a big game and still play it. Hmm. And uh, that one's borrowed from Alan Watts, credit where credit is due. And uh, when, so the rest of the book will be essentially lessons learned and ways to fully embody and step into letting that flow become yours for the making. I like that. Thank you. That's going to be really cool. I'm excited to read it. Thank you. <laughs> like the fourth, uh, fourth person to say as much uh, outside of my immediate friends. So it's getting written. I'm on vacation next week for uh, going up in into Wisconsin for the 4th of July. So I'll, uh, I'll take a few hours and bang out a couple thousand words. That's pretty sweet, dude, man. All right. On that note, on that note, just cause I haven't gotten a question that immediately popped up. So I was like, okay, okay. That's a good sign. So I got two questions for you. We're going to, we're going to have the, uh, we're at the end of the episode today. And I got two questions for you. And these are the questions that I end all podcasts with. <clears throat> and I'm very excited to hear the answers for this one. Just, just given the conversation that we've had in the, and the, and the vibes of the conversation and, uh, yeah, pretty pumped for it. So first question is it's the end of your days you are on your deathbed and you're surrounded by the people that you love what is the one piece of advice that you want to pass on to those loved ones few different ways of saying it came up as I was refining it. And uh, fuck the narrative, keep going. Go within to find yourself. And when your head and your heart tell you the same thing, step into it. That's good. I like that. I like that. Then the final question of the day, the very best version of you is sitting right next to you. What advice does that version of you have for this season of your life? Oh, it's not, it's sitting right here. Um, the best version of me is this me in any moment, because if I know that I'm working towards the best version of me, then this is the best I can be right now. And Keep going. Amazing. I set an intention during a combo ceremony in September 2022. My buddy asked me, what are you releasing? It's like, good enough. It's like, what are you calling in? I said, a year from now, they're going to ask how the hell he did it. And that's on the cusp of happening. <laughs>
So the best version of me is just tell me to keep going. That is absolutely fantastic, dude. Right on. Well, that's what I got for you for, well, for the listener for this episode. Uh, where can people find you, Chase? Yeah, uh, Instagram is the easiest place and where I'm most active, at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. Uh, my website needs a refresh. The messaging is going to be a little different than stuff you've heard here today because uh, well-meaning mentors who told me to stick with a certain message at chasetolleson.com uh, if you want to get my emails, hear more of this. And um, Kyle, if you want to drop this in the show notes, I'll shoot you the link. I have, if you want to hear more of Chase's philosophy, Spotify, the album is called Mystical Giants and it's remixed kind of Akira the Don style with some little lo-fi in the background and remixed words. And yeah. So I'm all about that, man. Oh, you said chill vibes. I'm in. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. Well, folks, if you love today's episode, which went deep, we went a couple, we went a couple layers deep on this one. Like this is a really cool one. Like it's kind of interesting because I feel neutral. Like there is a neutrality where I don't know if someone else is experiencing it that's listening to it, but I hope that there is a reflective thought that pops into the mind of a person where they could be thinking, who is the person that I am or want to be? And hopefully with the combination of the two kind of philosophies or ideas that we brought to the table today, I hope that someone else is inspired by this in order to create their own philosophy and their own way of being that helps perpetuate self-betterment and also is a positive contribution to the human race. And it's crazy like this. I can't articulate accurately enough the the vibes that I'm feeling on the inside. And it's and normally I think of myself as a pretty good at articulating something that's seemingly tough or complex up in the brain. But this conversation has been very anchoring. That's that's a word. It's a very anchoring conversation. And I think that that is something that is beautiful with this conversation that I hope other folks get to be able to take away from it. That's my that's my takeaway from the conversation so far. 100%. All right, folks. If you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle at Dapper Dude Kyle, along with at Coach underscore Chase underscore Tolleson. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, keep up the kindness, and I hope your day treats you as good as you look.